there's a lot of the casting's very interesting. The adaptation. There are a lot of comic actors, even comedians in it, and you can watch it and start to play. Oh, that's so and so. But one one of the things I particularly liked was that there are in a way lots of different kinds of acting. There's kind of comic acting often alongside straight acting, and what that seemed to capture for me was the way that Dickens isn't really very into realism. You get a kind of caricatural overplaying of some characters alongside, you know, very sympathetic. Mm. And the, uh, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is how much is that a conscious part of casting and what, how much you have an input into casting as well in that, in that regard? Uh, um, I, I do have, um, I do have a, a bit of a say in casting, mm. but so do a lot of other people. Right, right. There's, the, uh, there's the producer, the director, uh, the casting director, um, but also uh, people higher up, like the executive producers mm -hmm. and the head of drama, and even people like the controller of BBC One, right, right. because anybody can do casting, right, even right. if they don't know anything about drama, we can all say who, who we'd like to see in such and such mm -hmm. a part. So they all have a say. And um, uh, certainly Jane Tranto, who is head of drama, uh, had a policy with this. She wanted to make Bleak House very popular. Right, uh, right. So, uh, so far as possible, she wanted to get stars from other genres of drama right, right. Uh, and even comedy mm -hmm. uh, into Bleak House. Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and so I, I, I suppose Johnny Vegas is, is the um, uh, most extreme mm -hmm. example of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, um, uh, she had... Um, uh, I mean, there were various suggestions of people who didn't make it on the right. cast because <laughs> right, right. Uh, the producer, uh, Nigel stafford Clark's, uh, uh, you know, put his foot down and, and said, no, no, this is not a bloody pantomime. <laughs> um, uh, mm. uh, but the, the, the ones that we did have uh, worked tremendously. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, Johnny Vegas is a very yeah. interesting case because... You almost make you forget. In, in the novel, Crook is actually thin. It's one of the things about him. And yet, yeah. he's played as this big, you know, sweaty, gin-consuming by, by his community. Yes. It's very hard to reimagine Crook having yes. seen Johnny Vegas. You get, so. you, get, you get a wonderful sense that, that his, his body might be combustible mm. like Christmas exactly. pudding. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so that it, it, <laughs> the, 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 the spontaneous combustion right. could could really happen, yeah. and uh, I, I think it was almost the first time he tried proper acting, Johnny right, Vegas, right. and um, he was terribly nervous, of course, right. surrounded by all these right, these, right. these great yeah. actors. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, once he got going, um, mm -hmm. you know, he was much encouraged. Everybody thought he was wonderful, and mm -hmm. he was. Yeah. Well, the other one is Matthew Kelly as Mr. Turvydrop, and uh, Mr. Turvydrop is probably almost impossible to overact that part, and he goes. Yes. He certainly goes full throttle. Yes, and but also, I, I mean, because he's got tremendous physical presence, yeah. Matthew <laughs> Kelly. He's, he's such a big tall man so uh, he invested him with a with a kind of wonderful fake dignity yeah, which just yeah, just yeah. suited the character so well mm -hmm. one of the other things and I, again i know i suppose it's a question of how much you're involved in this how part, it's part of direction and writing is one of the things i really liked about both adaptations is that but a long time ago the soviet filmmaker sergey eisenstein wrote, wrote an, an essay about dickens in which he said that actually early filmmaking learnt from Dickens about cross-cutting. He even said that mm -hmm. in the Teletus City there's a, dissolve, there's a dissolve and that the visuality of Dickens' imagination, close-ups, sudden jumps, cross-cutting between plots. And one of the things that's very distinctive about the adaptation is things like jump-cutting, 
that a, a lot of criticism, positive and negative, thought of as being very modern. But, but Eisenstein in the 50s thought of that as quintessentially Dickensian. I just wondered how far, which I suppose is part of direction, but how far was that in the writing, this moving rapidly between, and between different plot lines, but also moving in and out in relation to characters' faces and things? Yeah, um, well, I, I, I certainly wanted to um, move the story along very quickly mm. and also uh, to enable the audience to guess the connections mm. between things. So I remember very much thinking in that, that first episode that we want a sense of, of, of our view of the thing sweeping across the country mm. from one place to another and, mm. uh, uh, and that somehow making it all part of the same story. Um, and, um, and, and so it was uh, uh, kind of full of, of, of quite abrupt cuts, mm. uh, which the director emphasised by having this, this rather strange swoosh, swoosh, <laughs> swoosh, with a noise like that in it. Um, and now uh, he'd, he'd come more or less straight from directing Spooks, which if you watch Spooks, um, that has cuts. They, Spooks goes swoosh. Uh, so he went three times better. He went swoosh, <laughs> swoosh, swoosh. Um, and uh, I, I, I found it, I found it a bit, bit, um, a, a, a bit showy at right, first. Yeah. And uh, I started asking him, What's the principle mm. behind it? But he, he was very cagey about mm. it and he said, you'd see. I, I don't think there was principle there at all. Yeah, right. I said, why does it sometimes go swoosh and sometimes mm. go swoosh, swoosh, swoosh? He said, because it, it feels right. right. And I think that was yeah. all it she was. Hasn't you don't think he'd read the, uh, the Eisenstein? I don't, <laughs> think he, I don't think he'd read the Eisenstein, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. But I mean, we're very pleased with, with, with his way of, of, of directing. I, I think the other thing he did was, um, uh, yeah, uh, you were saying cutting from one face to another mm. very rapidly. He was using handheld cameras yeah, a lot no and he was getting right in amongst the mm. actors. Um, uh, and also he said he was um, uh, rehearsing the, Rehearse, shooting when he was rehearsing, right. so they didn't even know mm -hmm. when it had started, which kind of slightly annoyed um, very experienced actors like Charles Dance, right. who wants to know when mm -hmm. the take comes because he, mm -hmm. when he's rehearsing, he's he's not going to put mm -hmm. much into it, etc., etc. Et mm -hmm. But the young ones found that immensely helpful, so that they could just be the character. In fact. Um, Rather wonderfully, uh, Carrie Mulligan, who is now a Both huge yeah, star, yeah, yeah. Um, it was just—it was just about her. It was her first outing mm -hmm. um, in, in in anything like a big part. She'd had no training at all. She'd just right. written Incredible. up. I think I think she wrote to Julian Fellows, right. and he got her a very small part in Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. And as Ada, I'd just written Ada. Um, a teenager in love, mm -hmm. pure and simple, mm -hmm. and that because Dickens doesn't give her any character mm -hmm. at all. But maybe she doesn't need one because a teenager passionately in love mm -hmm. is is a lovely thing yeah, to write. Yeah. And I thought these these two kids they're just crazy about each other. Mm -hmm. They can't keep their hands off each other. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and she was 
she'd never had any voice training or anything. Mm -hmm. So she'd run out of breath in the middle of a line <laughs> and, and have to stop and start again. But somehow that sounded all right. It right, just right. sounded in that she was in such a state most right. of the time. And um, of course she'd learned to do it. Now, was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are some very extreme close-ups of Gillian Anderson where she, her face mm. almost half fills the screen. I suppose if you've got a Hollywood star, you may as well show yes, it. Absolutely. But that works. And in the if, same you, if you've got somebody who's, whose face mm. shows such a lot, no. in fact, we, we did have in, in all the main parts, you know, people who, um, you know, you just leave the camera on mm. their face mm. and they don't say anything. And yeah. that's interesting. But it's very Dickensian. People's physiognomies often yeah. tell you what, what the character is yes. like. So that's yes. another very Dickensian adaptation, yeah. as it were. Yeah. yeah.